Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Cozy History Podcast. Your podcast is beginning in three, two, one. Welcome to Cozy History Podcast. This is history in the making, folks. This is equivalent to the Holocaust or 9-11. But someone you... stopped it midway through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, the Norwegians came and said, wait a minute. Wait a second. We're going to bomb every, every concentration camp and every min- munitions factory. Yeah, they came in and they said, fuck these Nazis. Hey, we agree with that too. We also agree... Fuck those Nazis. Fuck the Nazis. Cowards. Cowards. Well, let me tell you something. This is... This episode is the episode. 11? The episode 11. We were initially going to do a test, but fuck it. We'll just start here. We're riffing uh, it. We're riffing, yeah, it. riffing it. I am uh, one of your hosts... Cracking our beers. I am one of your hosts. Uh, this is Sam, and uh, I'm joined by... Uh, by Austin. this By this mysterious co-host, Austin. Uh... <laughs> It's We're pretty, here in Chicago. It's amazing. We're together. So, together. Go ahead and crack a beer with us right yeah. now. Okay. It's amazing. Who would have so thought? Good. Who would have thought that a couple of degenerates could capture the imagination of over two hundred people? Cheers, cheers to our audience as well. Cheers to our listeners. And we're thinking about making this episode completely off the hip and just talking history. Uh, just from what we know it and what we can say. I mean, earlier today we were, of course, always discussing history. Always. We were talking about the yellow fever. We were talking about the Spanish flu. We were talking about a lot of the diseases that affect our listeners. Mm-hmm. Specifically chlamydia. Yeah. We know Dale has it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I want to shout out one of our listeners. Uh, his name is Paul. Paul W. That's all we'll say. Paul W. <laughs> Paul W. has a, a case of chlamydia that's... Let's just say that man is in the trenches. And I think this is a good transition here because I thought... And Austin doesn't know I was about to say this. I thought we would start our kind of fun riffing episode by talking about a book that you just read. And it's about the relationship between U.S. Grant and Sherman. And we're talking about the American Civil War here, folks. I love that book. I love that book, especially the fact that Grant and Sherman helped each other on multiple situations where Sherman, basically Grant, I don't think he had many faults, but he just was sometimes an alcoholic, very rarely an alcoholic, and Sherman always had his back. Whereas Sherman, since the beginning of the Civil War, had allegations that he was insane. Mm -hmm. He actually was... I don't know. He wasn't institutionalized, but he went back to live with his wife and his family when he was stationed in Paducah, Kentucky. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's or correct. Or Louisville. It was either Louisville or. I think he was he was in Louisville at, was at in that Louisville. time, I believe. And th- there's a famous quote uh, that Sherman eventually said. He said, uh, "Grant believed in me when I was crazy, and I believed in Grant when he was drunk." Yeah. And I just think that's amazing. The power of friendship. The power of love and of acceptance, uh, you know, that's a lot of the energy that we bring to this podcast or we try to bring. It's just two guys against impossible odds. When we first started the podcast, people said we had low T. People said that, that we couldn't do it, that the podcast 
you know, the market was full already, and we found People our... People said I could never get a beautiful dog. Well, yeah. guess what? She's sitting behind me right now being chill as fuck. And she is beautiful. And she's a puppy. So, I thought we'd, uh... <laughs> exploring our uh, our topic about great friendships, I thought we'd dive into Grant Sherman a little bit. And I know Austin just read this book about Grant Sherman. I thought, what were your other takes on that? What, what else did you think about that One friendship? One of my favorites was... I mean, it's the intro to the book where uh, it focuses on Shiloh for a while. And Shiloh, I believe, was somewhat of the turning point of the war. Mm -hmm. The North was bound to win, but they were getting whooped at the beginning. They needed to get their generals in order. And where Sherman, the first day of Shiloh, there was a big loss. Sherman also, he lost three horses. That aside, they had, what, 20,000 men lost, maybe 14,000, thousands of men. It was, it was significant. The very first day of Shiloh, this is, in, this is kind of in the upper portion of Mississippi, I believe. Uh, the very first day, the Confederates attacked across, basically a, a morning attack, and, and surprised all of, the, all of the Union men in their camps and drove them all the way back to the river. And I think that what Austin's talking about is is when Sherman he has this idea, right? And, and but Grant he wants a retreat. He wants Sherman a retreat. Sherman wants a retreat. Yeah. But what Grant says something I can't remember what it was. He, specifically. he he mentioned that he wouldn't say the word retreat to Grant. He would not speak that word. But he he figured out a nice euphemism for retreat that maybe the boys need some rest and we should go this way. Mm-hmm. And he walked up to Grant, who's reading under candlelight or something. Smoking a cigar. Smoking a cigar under a tree. And what did Grant say? Grant says, we'll whoop him tomorrow. We'll whoop him tomorrow. We'll whoop, we'll whoop him tomorrow. And that's just amazing. It's like, in times, and we're, I think we can both agree that our, our world today is full of turmoil. Trials and tribulations, straight from the Bible, straight from the good book. But if we have friends... And if we have love in our hearts and acceptance of our crazy friends and our drunk friends, then we might just come out on top. Yeah. Um, Especially, yeah, if you have... That's part of it. If there's someone that compliments you very well, whether or not they're a bad influence in your life, <laughs> they may compliment you very well. And that might be your disaster to greatness. That just might be, might be your road to legend. Uh, that's so Grant Sherman, two of the most, you know, they're a power couple. Uh, but to the, I wouldn't say that. To yeah. the best of my knowledge, they were straight. But power friendship. They were. They had a power friendship. They both actually did love their wives. Yeah, they they were good guys. They they never cheated. Um, well, maybe Sherman did. I know it was a lazy. It doesn't matter. I guess the question that I was going to ask too. So we know that talk on the topic of friendship, and it's it's power to change the world. We've got Grant and Sherman. We know that they're good. What what other friendships change the world? Do you think, Austin? Other friendships. I mean, the immediate thought is just Alexander and his fellow generals. Oh yeah. I would yeah. say Alexander and Ptolemy, Ephesian. Ptolemy and. Alexander were raised together. Basically, Alexander and all of his generals were raised together in a court. With Aristotle. Aristotle was their tutor. Possibly 
Aristotle tutored them all. It's interesting, I listened to a book recently, and it was about the uh, Diadetian Wars, Diadraki. I forget, but that they mentioned that Aristotle may not have been the forced to just go and tell Alexander to conquer the world, that he had already had the ships in order to go and conquer the world. The Phalanx army set up by Philip II was going to set him up to yeah. conquer anything he wanted to. And that Aristotle didn't really do that work. That Aristotle liked his father, Philip II, more than he liked Aristotle. That, like that was more of a that was more of a like settling of friendship, settling of I don't know, dues owed. And that part of it too is that Aristotle may have been the one to help assassinate Aristotle. Philip. Alexander. Oh, really? Alexander. I never heard I don't that. I've never heard that. Before. Helped assassinate Philip. So, so thinking about Alexander, we, we said Alexander and his generals. Now I'm thinking maybe Alexander and his father were that duo. Because I don't know. So now we've transitioned from the American Civil War to ancient history, pre Roman, pre Roman history with Alexander the Great here and. Uh, a lot of people always say, of course, Alexander was the one that, that did the damn thing. But but a lot of people don't know that it was his father, Philip, as Austin said, who, who laid a lot of the groundwork. So if we're thinking about, about power, friendship, power duos, maybe it's Philip and his son, Alexander. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. Alexander may have taken a decent role in assassinating his own father, but little, that duo little, stands. A little patricide there. There was some patricide. Yeah. It's pretty much written in the history books, and it's open for interpretation, but that Alexander helped assassinate his own father with Olympias. Mm -hmm. Philip was in uh, weaning health, and there was probably another successor that was picked if it didn't happen when it happened. Yeah. And they chose their moment. That, you know, that, that's so key. If you're going to make like a, an ancient history cocktail... You gotta do a little bit of a sprinkle of patricide in there, and a little bit, a little bit of like weird snake worship, uh, and, and you know maybe some uh, a little bit of Freudian. Also, Freudian speaking stuff. of patricide. <laughs> speaking of patricide. Preach, preach, baby. You know we're we're also speaking of Sigmund Freud earlier. We were, and, and his and had, his love of of, of what drug? Yeah, he loved <laughs> Sigmund Freud. Apparently, loved cocaine. And I know we've never tried it. Never. I never would. But Sigmund Freud used to give cocaine. I don't know in what form. I think people snort it. He used to give it to his family members and close friends as Christmas gifts. And he said, I write great psychology. <laughs> I pretty much write the modern psychology textbook because there is no encompassing scientific theory on psychology. Even to this day, to my day, Austin. Twenty twenty two, November third. Freud is basically the groundwork of all American psychology now, textbooks, which is hilarious. So, and, and he wanted to bang his mom. And he wanted to bang his mom, and he was coked up all the time. And it's amazing. I think of Sigmund Freud as the Stephen King of psychology. You know, like have you ever heard that? Or apparently, did you know that Misery was wrote, written? Connor told me this. Doc Holliday. Misery was written. 
Stephen King doesn't remember writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently he went through... When Stephen King was really cool back in the... Or, I mean, when he was a center back in the old days, yeah, apparently he don't remember writing Cujo either, that one about the dog. He just he would just go into these... Benders. These, these benders, these blackouts, and write like a thousand pages of some of the best fiction ever written so <laughs> in cool. the country. That's so cool. Yeah, so maybe we should be talking about the ultimate duo is actually Stephen King and cocaine. I want to I wanna be a fly on the wall in that situation. I bet it's like, scary. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> He's just typing like a storm. He's just cussing people out. Like, maybe he had a tell... He probably kept the telephone in a separate room, and if someone kept calling, he'd answer and say, Fuck you! And they'd be like, This is your food order. Like, <laughs> you haven't eaten in three days. He doesn't like, we've been hungry. dropping it off outside. It's rotting. He's like, Ah, oh, shit. I need to eat. <laughs> or it's his mom, and he's just like, Fuck you. Uh, hey, goes. hey. This is like, if you're, if you're a cozy listener, that's a good transition there. If you're a cozy listener, and you haven't talked to your mom in a few days... How about you give her a call? Maybe wait till you sober up, but then give her a call, okay? She wants to talk to you. And also your grandmother. Your grandmother definitely wants to talk to you. I've had a lot of success calling my parents when I'm drunk because it makes me just more... Not even drunk, you know, but just a little buzz. makes me more accepting, and I'm not as pissed off at them for imposing their ways as a parent. Yeah. And I'm by no means pissed off at my parents, but everyone's parents... Uh, make wrong decisions. It's like you start to come to... Th- I think that's something that we see a lot, too. As we get older, we, we become our parents. So, Austin and I were just talking about this because we were walking around Chicago earlier, walking the dog, looking at houses, and being like, oh, damn, that thing's probably worth 1.5 mil. And it's just like our parents. When we're little and our parents are going to, like, look at houses we think it's dumb as fuck and then we and then all of a sudden it's so fun yeah it's so fun we're like damn i love the interior that one looks like shit or you know it's driving through a neighborhood with great houses with houses with character is just a beneficial thing one second we're we're all becoming our parents if you heard some house music in the background it's because we're playing a house record a vinyl yeah we have a deep house Tell them the story of how we found that place, man. It was pretty cool. Yeah, so we were walking around by my house, and uh, there was a a drop shop of just record sellers. They were record collectors, and they were selling their records for $5, $10, $15. I got a Daft Punk, um, a whole Daft Punk vinyl. said it was missing the second disc. For $2. I got some John Coltrane. Sam got a bunch of Deep House. Did you flip it? Uh, no, I'm actually going to... Guys, for those of you listening in, the next one has been described as minimal synth pop. We're going to give this one a try. What do you say, Austin? Absolutely. That's playing in the background, baby. Oh, look at this sweet ass... There's a cool dog on the record. It looks like, looks like Austin's dog. That looks like Jazzy. So as I'm queuing this up, what's what's another good duo that that you can think of? Another good duo? I don't know. I'd say uh, Stalin and Trotsky. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Friends who kill each other. Oh, I'm trying to think. That's a good question. I wish you all would phone in more. We've only had a couple of phone in friends. 
if you all go to Cozy History Memes and right now comment on the most recent post on duos that win history. I'm trying to think. So I'm thinking, my first thought, weirdly enough, is like Scooby and Shaggy. You know, yeah. how many like bad guys they took down back in the day. Yeah, and they were never entrusted. No one trusted uh, them. Scooby and Shaggy were eating a lot of Scooby snacks. What does that mean? They were eating marijuana edibles. edibles. They were eating THC, baby. Firecrackers. You take some coconut oil, some grinded up weed, you put it in the, <laughs> put it in the toaster oven for like 15 minutes at 200 degrees, and then you microwave it or some shit afterwards, and yeah. you eat it. But you have to be prepared because your whole house will smell like shit. Yeah, it'll, it'll smell like... That's the normal thing, too, is it's... Oh, someone's vaping, and it smells like burnt popcorn a little bit. If you cook a firecracker in your house, it'll smell like a... You smoked an eighth of weed and a witch pissed in your crib. You know, that's interesting. So, we're thinking about other duos, right? And he mentions witches. Uh, that makes me think about, like, old-timey witch trial-type things. And I think one of the underrated duos would be like the Pope and one of the Crusaders, like Richard the Richard the Lionheart. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can, if you're, I know Austin's right next to me, but my, the, the listeners across space and time, if you would envision this with me, you're a medieval peasant. Your water is so bad you have to drink Miller Lights all the time because you, you really... You wish you had Miller yeah, Lights. That would yeah, be better than yeah. anything you've ever had. You've had the worst stuff in the world. You've had the shits for 17 years. <laughs> yeah. you got a family of four and you're 17 years old. Yeah. And, you're, and, and your partner's already busted. They just look horrible. So, <laughs> so, all of a sudden you hear a rumor. A rumor comes through the village that you can go to the... You can help retake the Holy Land... You can go and pillage and probably be a menace. And your sins will be forgiven. And your sins are forgiven. And if you die, you're a martyr. Why would you not take that deal? Yeah. And also as a peasant, that's probably one of the best offers you can get. Because you'll be like a uh, shoulder man, you know. You'll hold a noble sword. You'll hold his lance, whatever. You'll help him take his armor off. But you're not doing a lot of fighting by your own. Yeah, you're gonna get whooped by those. Uh, I don't know if they'd be Ottoman fighters at this point. Yeah, but I think they would have been. They'll be skilled and weathered Muslim fighters. Jan- Janissaries. Yeah. Huh. But still a pretty good deal though. So I guess one of the biggest, the the most influential duos that I can think of would be like poor people in religion. I guess that's really where I'm, where we're going with that one. Yeah. If you're really poor, then. You know, religion sounds really good. Maybe Julius Caesar and Ptolemy? Mark Antony. Mark Antony? Julius Caesar and Mark Antony? Cleopatra? Julius Caesar and Cleopatra, honestly. Yeah, that's a good duo right there. Ptolemy. Ptolemy is a completely Arab history. I meant, uh, uh, starts with a P. Pompey. Oh, yeah. But Pompey, I think Pompey, I said Ptolemy. I'm not going to apologize to you all. Not in a disrespectful way, but Pompey. The real duo was Julius Caesar and Cleopatra. And do you because remember? he helped her secure the throne of Egypt, and he secured oh, Egypt to himself. 
Well, he secured a little bit more than Egypt. He got the services of the... If you've been been listening to previous episodes, you know what what Julius Caesar called Cleopatra. There's a nickname. It's one of the best nicknames ever. The Golden Mouth. The Golden Mouth. What is... You know, and we've speculated about this before, that maybe Caesar had just never had a blowjob. And he was like, he was like, oh, this is amazing. But surely he did. She must, I don't know. She, I don't think so. I think in the ancient ancient times, I think your downstairs was something that you just didn't go near. Oh, and maybe okay. even also that, you know, you the men in history, there's a reason why they didn't pleasure their wives. <laughs> not that they... Not that they... I don't even want to say didn't want to. They didn't want to. They didn't know how. They didn't know how. The clitoris had the clitoris had not been invented yet. They didn't know how to just speak Latin into a clitoris, and uh, I think Cleopatra helped introduce Caesar into this uh, pastime. You know, I respect that. I respect, you know, someone who's willing to experiment. Good for Caesar. Good for Cleopatra. Uh, I had something I was about to think about. Um, maybe it was just the nature of like, of like Roman life. Like you, you think that they're all freaks, but maybe in reality everyone's always drunk on wine. Like they're just doing freaky yeah, shit naturally. Yeah, they're just like really fucked up off like shitty red wine, and they're like, excuse my friends, they're eating ass. Mm-hmm. You know, another good duo of history. Lewis and Clark. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Great. That's a good duo. It's and they also tag-teamed... Sacagawea. Sacagawea. That might not be true. Don't hold us to that. Okay, I'll... I'll drop, can I drop some information but on you? But they did both get syphilis. Oh, yeah. Everyone had syphilis. Can I drop some information? I think you may already know this. I'll tell the audience, though. So, uh... Back in the old days, so everyone in the Lewis and Clark expedition had syphilis because they're basically all having sex with the same the same people. It was a European disease as well. The whole team was hitting back then, and uh, they all had they all ended up having syphilis. And back in the old days, they used to treat syphilis in a very horrible way. They would inject mercury into the penis through the through, through the, the urethra, urethra. <laughs> through the urethra. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a middle light. Sounds horrible. Yeah, no. So, the, but they track the. I'm go, where I'm going with this is that they would track. Even today, they can track the Lewis and Clark expedition and where they stopped by like by tracking mercury, mercury, deposits. mercury deposits in the soil because, you know, of course the mercury has to come out. It comes out in feces. So they they will like track the Lewis and Clark expedition around the country by finding these mercury deposits, where all these like crazy syphilit, syphilitic dudes shit out mercury. Can you, ima- can you imagine putting anything in your urethra? And at that point, too, that if they were on their expedition, they didn't have a physician who... A physician at that time couldn't be trusted anyways, but that they were just given a bunch of mercury and the physician was like, inject this into your dick hole. And they go, okay, they didn't bring one with them, that they were just independently <laughs> doing fucking... Uh, 
It's in Blue Mountain State, if you all have ever seen it. <laughs> an oil change. An oil change. <laughs> they're doing oil changes on themselves with mercury. Well, they're exploring, it, they're exploring the Great American West. They're seeing like the Rocky Mountains for the first time in a white man's eyes. And they were going, this is so incredible. My dick hurts. I need to go do an oil change real quick. I'm back. Second wheel, what are you doing? Jesus Christ. Amazing. Wow. You ever thought about Pocahontas? When's the last time you thought you thought about Pocahontas? Recently, maybe like two months ago. Really? Yeah. What was the... I thought about burying... Uh, when the Native American... Native settlers of North America told the European settlers that if you bury a seed with a fish, that'll grow that it provides the natural nourishment, mm-hmm. nutrition, yeah. nourishment. Yeah. Smart. I thought about that and how... I actually just thought about that earlier, about how Thanksgiving, I was going to mention this on the show, that Thanksgiving is one of the only U.S. like secular holidays, and it's portrayed as, you know, the pilgrims and the Indians... The natives met up, and the natives were pretty much like, oh, have our land. <laughs> That's the way it's sold to an American. Like, Yeah, I feel like we have a lot of misconceptions about, like, well, first of all, I mean, we're on stolen land, I'm sure. We're all on stolen land. If you're, if you're listening to this, I don't know, but if you're one of our, like, Norway listeners that, you know... You got it. Yeah, you, you guys were just there. Also... I bring up Pocahontas because I because I think it's so sad her story. So she of course like falls in love with one of the white settlers, and um, she eventually, you know, becomes integrated, and they actually take her to to England. Of course, this is pre-American Revolution. They can you give me a beer as well? Yeah. Thank you, Chief. They take uh, Pocahontas to England and. They, they show her off in the English court. Uh, so Pocahontas is essentially like, you know, like a, a oddity. I don't want to say a freak show, but it, it's something like that. It's, she's definitely being taken advantage of. And her story ends so sadly because, come to find out, Pocahontas dies very quickly after that. She eventually, you know, dies of disease there. And it may have been syphilis. It may have been, uh, you know, it could have been really anything. Um... So I, you guys don't know a lot about my work life, but I think we Austin and I have talked about it before. Uh, I'm involved in kind of a historic home type of thing. And I won't say anything beyond that. Uh, but we have done some archaeological digs at the site of the historic home. And, and we often find arrowheads and stuff around in that area. And um, I always tell people when they come to visit, I say... You know, we've done these digs. We, we found these arrowheads. So I always tell them, imagine, you know, that this land has been lived on for thousands of years. Uh, so I think that's something important just to be real with you guys for a second. Something that we should all consider is that we tend to think that America doesn't have that much of a long history, especially compared to Europe. Tens of thousands of years. In reality, yeah, we've got many, many thousands of years of history. And, you know, as they say, when... When the first settlers came here, Jamestown, you know, what, what have you, 
Um, Roanoke. Yeah, Roanoke. They they introduced smallpox to the Native American population. So some people actually believe, and this is you know backed up by science, up to ninety percent of the Native American populations died off from disease. And this is like stemming all the way into. So, uh, this Columbus, is Columbus landed somewhere near what, like Puerto Rico or so, his first voyage. Yeah. Um, Columbus fucking sucked, by the way. Yeah, Columbus sucks. Unless you're Italian like me, then you go, hey, Columbus is dope. No, Columbus <laughs> fucking blew. He, um, he introduced a lot of viruses and he enslaved the local population. But what's it? <laughs> What Sam was touching on is interesting as well that the European diseases, they were kind of like, it was like a melting pot of Eurasian diseases all the way into like the Silk Road. It transported a lot of people and that the Eurasian immune system was somewhat ready for anything that was going on in the Homo sapien, the human immune system. And once they introduced this to the isolated Native American population, it just decimated. And one interesting thing that I like to think about is that even in the West, like in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, they found shells that are bicarbon dating with things from that region, but the shell is from the eastern United States and that there was trade systems that were established by the natives that spanned the entire northern northern America all the way probably into the Incan civilization all the way into the Aztec civilization that there were these huge trade networks well established but once smallpox and these other Pathogens. No one really knows what they were. Smallpox is one of the most important ones that it just decimated the natives of the American continent. And it's crazy to think about what those cities, if cities, if you will, because a lot of these tribes were nomadic. But what were they like? I mean, they traded. I mentioned, or I mentioned a second ago, that there was trade going on from the east coast to the west coast. Yeah, and that's established, like historically carbon dated established. Uh, they found they found like shells from the coast in the middle of in the middle of the continent. Yeah, it's I don't know, just to me it goes to show that like here now here's another famous duo. A famous duo disease and colonization. Mm-hmm. Now there's a famous duo for you. I mean Okay, well let's transition here because I just had an idea. The Belgian Congo. Horrible. Horrible, horrible amputations. Horrible yeah. The Belgians. King Leopold, what is it, the second or the third? One of the worst Absolute human beings piece of that shit. has ever existed. Yeah. On par with Hitler. Honestly. People mention Hitler a lot and they compare a lot of people with Hitler. King Leopold, one of the most disgusting, vile human beings to ever exist. Fuck that guy. If a Congolese man wouldn't meet his daily quota of, I believe, what was it, rubber that they were... Yeah, rubber. They were, rubber. They were extracting at that time. If he didn't meet his daily quota of rubber, they would either chop one of his arms off 
his hands, his child's hands, or his wife's hands. Yeah. And usually, a lot of times, because they had to meet the quota the next day. This is daily. So, if he didn't meet it the next day, there would be another hand cut off within his family. And they would usually choose their, their children as, like, to their dismay, they hated it. But they would usually choose their children because if you have one arm cut off, you can't fucking harvest rubber. You gotta slit some trees, catch the sap, go and run it to whatever processing they had at the time. Fucking Leopold. Fucking Leopold. He's not cozy. You fucking hate him. He's not cozy at all. I will go into the afterworld. (laughs) I will go into hell, just choke his ass. Just to fuck that dude up. Here at Cozy History, we hate King Leopold. He's a coward. He sat on his throne expecting everything to come to him. Yeah, everyone always thinks that the Belgians are so, like, you know, like, nice and whatever. They make waffles. Nah, they fucking suck. You know, I guess, to me, it really makes me think that we're all complicit. We're sitting here with our iPhones or our Androids listening to our podcast, drinking our Miller Lights. But I think it's like, you know, everything's built on just a pile of skulls. It really is. Yeah, everything. I mean, even like... And you you, you can't anything. feel too guilty on things that people have done before you, but that's part of it where you just kind of change, change yourself and just respect people, but also just... You gotta disrespect some people in history, you know? Well, yeah. Like, you've gotta, you've gotta like, be honest about... about Henry... Henry Ford being an anti-Semite. Yeah. Even though, like, Henry Ford was a revolutionary in his, like, own socialist way, which was incredible, that the Ford... People who worked in Ford plants were gifted a great salary, even during their, like, recessions of the time. They still had company stores. They made great wages. They were pretty much commanded to stay sober. But, I mean, Henry Ford was also an anti-Semite, and before the war broke out, helped supply yeah. Nazis. <laughs> yeah, Henry Ford loved the, the Nazis. A lot of, you guys might not know, a lot of rich people loved the Nazis. Yeah. And because, you think about the context, a lot of it was like anti-communism, you know? So so they, they thought that Hitler was the one who was going to stop the spread of communism. Uh, of course, he ended up being crushed by Uncle Stalin, Uncle something, Joe. Something interesting, oh, this was... Um, Louis C.K. mentioned this, who Louis C.K. also knows a bunch about history, but he mentioned that every time he was at the Rockefeller building, where they film like Saturday Night Live, all of these NBC shows, that the Rockefeller building was built with Nazi steel. Have you heard this? No way. And what? that they used to have, and he knew of spots in the building where like these I beams or whatever were placed. And they used to have swastikas and, like, Nazi stampings in the Rockefeller building because they purchased it from Nazis. And that you used to be able to find them. And Louis C.K. has mentioned this before. And that he used to be able to, like, whenever he was invited to NBC uh, outings or a talk show, that he would just walk up and look at it and just be like, it's a little touch of history. Uh, but wow. apparently, I think they like brush it out with like a 
you know, an angle grinder just took it to the steel. But the steel from the Rockefeller building was built by Nazis. Wow. Sam is looking it up right now. I am. There's some... There's some interesting stuff. Actually, I'm not looking it up. Our fact checkers are looking it up. Um, Dale? No, Dale's yeah, asleep. Yeah, he's... Dale's doing a... Therese? What do you got? Therese. She's a beautiful woman. Wow. You know, we'll come back with you guys about an episode about Nazis in the U.S. Because that is interesting as well. Um, just to kind of wrap up our discussion about famous duos. We've talked about Sherman and Grant. We've talked about... You know, Alexander and his boys, we've talked about Caesar and Cleopatra, the Golden Mouth, shout out the Golden Mouth. We've talked the about a lot of, We've talked about Ooh. Woo! <laughs> Lord help me. Lord I'm help me. Out. <laughs> I know, right? I'd yeah. love just a nice long conversation with Cleopatra at a bar real quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting, random interesting thing that I've been Say I've it. dug into recently. Say it. Indo-European languages that around like 13,000 years ago there was it's around like the end of the last ice age but that there were there are links I think it was like a British scholar and he started establishing links all the way into like Gujarati in northwestern India all the way to Ukraine and like Russia into maybe even all the way into Spain because Spain adopted modern yeah. languages but yeah. that there are roots of all of those countries and they call it Indo-European language descent like no. I know what it's classically huh. but there may or, may or may not have been conquerors that we don't know if we don't know their name that spread a language that descended to really? what we speak today. Wow. Even English, Latin. Yeah. They're like even all the Latin-based languages. Majority. If you're a northwestern Indian listener, you can comment. But there's like Greek influences. So there's a gl- double Greek influence. So it's the Indo-European to begin with, and then afterwards the Alexandrian conquest, the Hellenistic languages that came in afterwards hmm. but there's weird he he like Little, analyzed like sanskrit yeah. documents and decided that like deduce that there are roots beyond anything that can be well that goes back to like the tower of babel you know in the bible for those of you who are listening that don't know the tower of babel supposedly you know, ancient peoples were building a tower that was supposed to stretch all the way up to heaven. And they all spoke one language. And they all spoke one language, and, and God, you know, the, the Israelite God, Yahweh, did not like that. So he made everyone speak different languages so that they couldn't, like, coordinate the building anymore. Um, that's interesting. I never, I never else, knew that. Yeah. Something else, um, say, even in, like, Christian and uh, Semitic cultures, because the Persians... Were Semitic peoples. When uh, Alexander would kiss his brides when they would get married, was a very Semitic thing. And the really? Greeks, when they would conquer through, they didn't like how Alexander would kiss his Persian brides. Really? Wow. Yes. 
Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne, you're gonna put on your red light. Roxanne, yo, so we're having fun. Uh, <laughs> we're having a great time. I, so we're about to hit a few bars. Yeah, in we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go do a little bar hopping. Um, so I guess the, the takeaway from this episode has just been, you know, famous duos like uh, Austin and Sam together again. I'm being I'm being I'm being facetious. Uh, but you know, we've really explored a lot. I think a few of the takeaways that I think, and I'll, if you don't mind, I'll go first. A few of the takeaways that I've seen is that friendship can transcend boundaries, and friendship can help you overcome odds. Uh, but friendship, you know. It's, it's a good thing sometimes, but in the case of uh, stupid King of Belgium, Leopold, we hate him. He's a coward. Yeah, he's a coward. So I think I think the real takeaway there is friendship is amazing, but you got to make sure you've got good friends. Uh, you yeah. need good friends. Yeah, you need good friends. And What's a good way to, to find a friend, Austin? Uh, talk about history. How's that? How talk about, about history. Yeah. Talk about things you love and people you love. And mm-hmm. if uh, empathy is one of the most important things, you know, if, yeah. if someone doesn't react when you say that your grandma recently died or something happened to you, then they're on a different wavelength than you shouldn't. I think, in, in my opinion, you shouldn't uh, associate with them for the time being, at least. You know, maybe they're going through their own thing, but... Maybe they're a psychopath. But fuck them. Yeah. Cool. Well, I've had a really good time hanging out uh, with Austin back together again. Sam is here. Uh, we're in Chicago. We're in Chicago, baby. Because you listeners, Chirac. we will still be here when you get here. Yeah. But we'd love it if you came and joined. Stay as cozy as you possibly can be. Stay cozy, my friends. Stay cozy. And one thing I'd like to say officially in front of the audience, Austin, we've officially reached double digits on our episodes here uh, so good. we've got over 200 listeners people said that we couldn't do it I never doubted this for a minute I wanted to thank you on air for, for just thank for, you. for being thank a great you. co-host thank you very much thanks guys this is how we do it baby this is how we fucking win y'all stay cozy uh...